Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Res- now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I- Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the, on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to a very exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Uh, very, very delighted to welcome back my guest. She's a comedian, actress, and writer. You know her as Regina Sinclair on Netflix's Insatiable. She's also appeared on shows like Orange is the New Black, Shameless, Chelsea Lately, which she appeared on over 100 times, Inside Amy Schumer, Grey's Anatomy, Friends, RuPaul's Drag Race, among others. She hosts the very fun iHeartRadio Bachelor podcast, which I was just on called Will You Accept This Rose? And now her first book is coming out September 29th, but it's available for pre-order. It is called Little Miss Little Compton. Please welcome back to the show, Arden Marine. Hey, thank you, Allison. I'm so happy to be here. And you were so great on my podcast. And your listeners who haven't heard you in that episode, they should go take a listen. Go and it's like a, a it's a it's a it's a what it's a standalone because they were doing a, a best of, so you don't even have have to be a bachelor watcher you can go listen i feel like that little concentrated <laughs> dose of bachelor viewing got me back into it i actually went yes. i just recorded a patreon episode with my friend jenna kim jones and patreon.com slash allison rosen and i we talked about nick vial on that yes. episode like i can't yes. shake him no, i mean what, what were you guys saying about him i just wanted to know if she shared the um distaste for him that i seem to have right now well you just you went deep diving because you broke down his season right so was it rewatching the season that that brought that put the taste in your mouth or was it like present day instagram uh no it was watching it again and it's this that that what we were talking about like he's he's amorphous and i don't think he's there for the right reasons (laughs) <laughs> you know, I will say, and I do like Nick, I, but I will say, I think, which is why I'm excited for Matt James, I think, because I believe for Nick, so he was on Andy's season, Caitlin's season, Paradise. Mm-hmm. So this was his four, I mean, I think when you've seen The Man Behind the Curtain three other times, I think there's like, you can't help but have sort of a disconnect or maybe a jadedness that comes over you. Cynicism, and so. Maybe. I think Matt James is coming up, who's uh, who's going to be the new Bachelor. He's never been it, he's never been through the mansion. He's never been to Sayulita to Paradise. Like so, I think it's good to have a fresh person who's not gone through that because I think anybody it would be hard to be there for the right reasons when it's your fourth time on the carousel. Right. Um, question. Yes, ma'am. And we're going to leave this in, even though this is the kind of thing I should take out. 
I love Tony, it. Tony, don't you dare touch this. Don't you dare, no. Tony. Don't you dare, don't Tony. Don't you dare, Tony. Don't you, Tony, <laughs> I will find you and I will key your car, Tony. Tony, I will meet you behind the water slides and I'm going to fucking key your car. So don't you dare take this And out. then after she keys your car, I'm going to slash your tires. Yeah, she's going to slash your tires. And it's like, and then we're going to go get our boyfriends who are party, party boat DJs and they're going <laughs> to... But it's gonna, things are going down in the, in, in the parking lot behind yeah. Wendy's. Yeah, if you have a Garmin in your car, I'm going to smash and grab it. Yeah, you got a Garmin? You give me that Garmin, Tony. You think you're better than me? Cause you, oh, I got a Garmin. I knew where I'm going. It's me and my Garmin. <laughs> okay, what are you going to say? What are we leaving Now, on? Nick has a podcast. He yeah. sort of swims in the same waters that we do in that he has a podcast. Should I not have just said I have a distaste for him? Because what if it's okay. otherwise... We could have been podcast buds. Now, I will say, I've done his podcast, and I'm sure over the years, I'm sure over the years, having reviewed his season, I'm sure I've said unfavorable things. So he seems to have a fairly good sense of humor about himself. I think he is aware, like, I think he's fairly self-deprecating. So if you had an, I, I will tell you this, in person, he's pretty charming. I of just, course let, he is. So I, I think you saying that he's there, he wasn't there for the right reasons. I don't think you're saying anything bad. Thank you. I would agree with you. I would say by the fourth time, I, I, it did feel that nobody quite stood a chance. Rewatching it, I enjoyed him very much on Caitlyn's season. I enjoyed him at Paradise, but he did as a bachelor seem kind of checked out. So I don't think that you were saying anything that we weren't all thinking. Okay. Well, thank you. I want to jump into the book. But first, let's yes. just talk shop a little bit because you yes, ma'am. mentioned me coming on your podcast. I had such a fun yes. time on the podcast. I was, yes. There was like a bunch of us on the show. It was you and Jerry Trainer from iCarly and Miles Gray, who is the host of the Daily Zeitgeist podcast. And what a trio. Like what a full championship, like bulls in the 90s going all the way to the finals. Like great trio. Thank you. But then you also have your producers on there who are like, they chime in now and again. They chime in. So I, you know, the the Thursday version of my show, which you're going to be a guest on this week. I'm really, it's Arden Week on my show. I can't wait. I love this. (laughs) I love, I mean, truly, this is a high, from what we had a little chat beforehand, you know, this is the highlight of my day. You know (laughs) that this is the fun part. The rest, I got dressed up for you. I'm clean. I'm not in my disgusting sweatpants. I put on makeup for you. I mean, this is a big – I'm at a party right now. I'm Cinderella at the ball. Everyone, check – and I curled my hair, which is like yes. I get my hair straightened to get rid of my curl. Yes. And then I put a new, more more structured, ordered curl back in. I don't yes. know who I am. It's just the quarantine. You need to check this out. Go to YouTube.com slash Allison Rosen. Please subscribe. I'm currently measuring my self-worth by that subscriber number. So mm-hmm. let's get that mm-hmm. bad boy up. So anyway, my well, – Go ahead. It is. Oh, sorry. Did you have a question? Were you yeah. asking? Uh, what, my question for you is: How is that for you hosting a podcast with a bunch of people? Because I also have sort of a keep the ball keep the ball bouncing around dinner party aspect to my show, and I've noticed that most other podcasts have like two or three people. You know. I, I will say you have to sort of as a good host, as a good p- dinner party host, you have to curate, you have to put together the right yes. group of people. And I have found in um, 
the bigger they've gotten and 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 it's partially just because there's so many fun people I want to have on mm-hmm. and I feel like because of covid like the seasons were shorter and stuff so you just want to get everybody on so I for me generally like having one other guest or two other guests is easiest but when it gets bigger I have learned to be like a conductor and just lay the rules up top so it's not chaos for the listeners but I will go Allison, what do you think? Like, Brian, what do you think? And I think that that as long as there's somebody who's like the picker, I think it keeps it. But Because otherwise, particularly in Zoom, it can be a lot of overtalk and mm-hmm. that's hard for the audience. So I think as for me as a host, I want people to feel like it's fun. It's a fun party. It's not chaos. And then I also have a thing where if somebody's dying to speak up, I'll have them just wave their hand into the Zoom camera. And then I will then – so they know they're going to get a chance, but it's not – chaos for the listeners. So that was and I only figured that out because there were a few episodes. I was like, ooh, that was a little chaotic. Mm-hmm. How was it for you? Um, I don't do the directing the question as much but right. I was like, oh, I should. That's so smart. I think I, think- I say, similar to what you were saying, I try to like curate the the right combination and there have definitely been times where I'm like, oh, that was that was missing a certain element, you know. That was yeah. like two of the same type, and it needed a different other type, and and so I just sort of hope that by putting together the right personalities, then like magic will happen and alchemy will happen, and it happens so much more in person. So on Zoom, it is a little more challenging. I, w- you know, it, it it definitely is. It and I think part of why I also started doing the conducting is there's. Um, a few people who are so fun and what they're so great at is like they're, they have strong opinions and they're like kind of feisty and mm-hmm. I like that. But I want to make sure that everybody gets heard. And so it's – so generally I'll like make sure I go to my guests and have it be – evenly distributed but i know that the listeners like our love our you know anna and katie are along for the ride so i'll make sure to like include them or or i also know certain things that i know that they will feel strongly about or that they've texted me about while they're watching it so it's just figuring i think it's really fun and you know what one of the things i like about the group aspect is you know i've been pretty i've been pretty cautious during the pandemic Mm -hmm. so I've not really been socializing that much so it makes me feel social it makes me feel like I'm at a party it makes me feel like I've been with a group in a way that I'm not getting that I would normally be getting if the world wasn't I don't know if you guys have noticed. Spoiler alert, guys. 2020 is a little unusual. It's, things, little, are, things are not the norms. Yeah, it's a little different than normal. It's a little different. And I feel like everybody needs a slight reprieve, a little distraction, because times are tricky. So let's talk about your book, which I yes. enjoyed so much. I did not want it to end. Um, Thank you. You know, it's so funny and whimsical and unique, and yet when it was over... I felt this like this sadness. There's so, there's also so much sadness in it, um, and I don't I don't say that to dis. There's it's moving is what I mean to say. It's like, moving. No one should take what I'm saying. It's not a it's not a sad book, but it's just it's got it's got all the emotions in it. Yeah. Um, what was your experience of writing it like? You know, 
It was an interesting thing because I've been trying to sell this thing for a long time. And then when you read the book, you'll hear like the timing of selling it really changed the DNA of the book. And I feel like I actually think it made it a better book in that I could easily have done just sort of a fun beach read and funny essays and, you know, which which a lot of it is. Like mm-hmm. a lot – I mean, I love a book like that. Personally, that's what most of my bookshelf is filled with. Um, but I also felt like, you know, more and more on earth, I think – People want some truth stuff. I felt like, you know, I really, Chelsea Handler's last book, Death Will or Life Will Be the Death of Me. Mm-hmm. And then like um, David Sedaris's last book, Calypso. Like I've loved all of their other books. I've laughed through all of the other, but th- they had slight, there was more that was felt a little more honest. And so I was, you know, I really wanted to. It was scary because I grew up in like a waspy New England house where you sort of don't talk about stuff and you just keep it moving, keep it funny and you keep it, you know, you don't tell the family secrets. Mm -hmm. But um, so it was really threading that needle of making sure it was a fun read, rooting people on, you know, I grew up with this wonderful mom and this kind of not so great dad and like that, that. You know, just I wanted readers to know that, like, you can thrive and you can survive even if you have somebody in your scope who's kind of hard on you or is not necessarily cheering for you, that you can still cheer for yourself and, like, have a happy ending. So, yeah. Regarding the timing. um, Yeah. So your mom, at the very end, we're... Well, you already came on okay. my podcast and talked okay. about it. Okay, so, so all right. So basically, I was I tried to sell this book for years. I mean, this thing I have been trying to sell. There's been various versions of this proposal and um, for years. And then, you know, my dad died three years ago. And it's sort of like, I was like, oh, okay, I can maybe make it a little more honest. Like, so it's one person. Okay, cool. So then there was like a different version of the, pro- I mean, this is, I have been trying to sell this for years. And, and then that didn't sell. And then like, I, somebody else reached out to me in the summer of 2018. Another, a new book agent was like, I want to do a book with you. I was like, all right. Like, so I wrote another proposal, made it slightly different. You know, I'm like, good luck, sir. Like, I've tried to sell this fucking thing before. And then he was starting to get traction. Like, people were interested. And I was, I went back to, I was, went back to Atlanta to film Insatiable. And I was there doing the first episode of season two. And my mom died. And like, out of the blue, she just, she had a heart attack making breakfast. She just died. And so I had to go home. I went home for the funeral like the next day into this tiny town. And I get this email on the way to the, her funeral saying from the book like this this certain publisher and they were like Arden we hope you're having a great week we really we want to do a book with you like da-da and like it was you know in the drive this town is so tiny it's called Little Compton Rhode Island like this was like a two-minute drive. So between my house and the church, it was like a 30-second drive. I get this email that my book has sold and that I have six months to write it. So my mom's died. 
She was barely in the proposal. I go, I do the funeral. I have to go fly back to Atlanta. I'm alone in an Airbnb and I've got, to, I'm like newly grieving again. And mm-hmm. like, and my mom was great. And, and I have to write this fucking book. And I will say, I feel like the gift of it is, I feel like it made it more glass half full because she was so great. And like, I don't know if you've lost a parent or anything, but like one of the things that, is odd is that, and particularly with somebody who was very popular like she was well liked in the town was that everyone was telling me these funny stories about her and i didn't even see how she would be a fun literary character because she was just such a great mom i didn't see like my dad was clearly like an interesting character but mm-hmm. i didn't she was just my mom and there were all these specific things that people were telling me that it became her book. And my friend Lisa Delarios, I don't know if she's a stand-up, and she she read it, and she knew my mom. And she goes, Arden, this isn't your memoir. This is your mom-war. Like, <laughs> you wrote your mom-war. It's your mom's book. And, <laughs> and it, so th- writing it while, like, newly crazy and grieving actually was, like, this beautiful experience because I would sort of go visit her every day on the page. And it wasn't like actually when I finished writing it, I burst into tears because I mm. felt like the conversation was over. Aww. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was just sort of like I had the fun of all these specific – she would just like let us stay up late and let us play hooky and like everything magic, everything that is fun and magic about me was programmed by her and it was sort of cataloging that. And so it was a fun – it was like she, me and my girl Janet would show up every day at the page <laughs> and like it was really like this sort of – it wasn't unpleasant. It, like, cause actually like a happy thing. It mm-hmm. literally wasn't till it was done. I was like, Oh, I have to like put her away. Like it was hard to put her away. Yeah. Um, you in, in the final chapter, you say that it's been a month since your mom has died. And so that's when I was like trying to put it together. Like, did you write some of it ha- was written before, right? Or did you write some the whole of it thing was written- in that month? No, no, God, no. <laughs> cause, cause <laughs> my word. Crazy. No, I, I do not write in order. I do not write in order. I am not, I am, my friend calls me organized chaos. (laughs) So I cannot, I, there were certain chapters that were really hard for me to write. And so the way that I, I had a few chapters written for the proposal and I had some banked from various proposals over the years. So I had some chapters, which also then changed, you know, so I had at least, but I had material to, to tweak. But um, no, I I do not write in the alphabet in order. It was literally like for me and for anybody out there that's a creative person, like I did not get up and on my days off just write from 10 and end at four. Like, no, it's like a battle. It's like a, the, the bowl, you know, like you stay over there, computer, and I'll stay over here. Like <laughs> me, me approaching the – it's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not that disciplined. I mean, I really – it was like 25 minutes at a time and then I would like black out. And so I would start with the ones that were sort of easier or fluff. For, I don't – there was sort of no rhyme or reason why something I did not – I did not want to write my career chapter. Mm. It felt my brain kept being like, who do you think? Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm Meryl Streep. Like, it was like, who cares? And I kept having to think, no, Arden, like, if if you were a little girl growing up in like a small town, you would want to know, like, how did you mm-hmm. get on TV? Like, so and I, that would be the chapter I would want to read. But I, I had a real negative voice being like, that's so arrogant that, any, you know, but no, her chapter just 
I knew because I just lost my dad that like there's almost this weird. I knew how the book was going to end. I knew it was going to end. I knew I couldn't. This sounds terrible. But like I knew she wasn't going to die till the end. I knew that that was going to be the last chapter. And I knew when my dad died, there's almost this weird, awful, but magical, weird. You have these weird superpowers for a couple months afterwards. You're in an altered state that you think you will never forget. But you do. I'm sure it's probably similar to giving birth or something. Mm. Like you actually think I... I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think I know what you mean from my experiences with grief. I have not lost parents, but I have grieved before. Yeah. Um, but that, no, you, you, you say what you mean. Well, I mean, I just felt like I knew I needed to write it in that state when it was so pure and when she was still talking to me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she was still around. So and I felt her, like yeah. I knew, I knew that that's where the plane was landing and I knew, just because I'm fairly resilient, I knew at some point I would be okay again. Mm-hmm. And I and I knew the part of, like, the portal of me that was, like, open to her, I knew had to write it then. That it was, like, me and her and we – you, because you can't – you know, for anything, there's grief over anything, you know, or, 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 or these – with these huge experiences in life, you think I will never forget how this feels, and mm-hmm. and I think just out of self protection, you do, you mm-hmm. do forget fully how it feels, and so I, and I kind of also wanted to get it over with. It was also like if I could get this chapter out of the way, then I could kind of move on to the fun stuff because it was it was so like where did she go? Like yeah. where did she, where where is she? You know, and I knew like. Eventually, I would get used to the fact, like, well, she's gone. So you, that's when I, I wrote it. And then you said that you knew that eventually you'd you'd be okay. Where are you yeah. on the uh, journey to okayness? You know, I think I'm pretty good. I will say, yesterday I was having to do the audio book, and it was weird. Like, I haven't gotten to the final chapter yet, but I did. It was weird. Like, what got me? I was just, you know, it was one of the ones where talking. It was just a random chapter talking about her bringing me to New York and taking me on the subway and showing me the graffiti and going to Benihana's. And I burst into tears. And like, there was something about then I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not so fully. (laughs) It was like, it wasn't the big thing. It was like. I couldn't get through talking about like looking at the ladies of the night and times like I couldn't get through that paragraph. I kept bursting into tears and I was like, okay, so there's still, you know, but I, but generally, um, I don't, I'm not like crazy anymore. I think Mm -hmm. it's, you, you get to, it's almost now like it's almost pleasant, like thinking of her. It's, it's not, um, it's not new information. Mm-hmm. And like she's pretty noisy now around like the release of the book. Like I think she's super into it. So she's pretty <laughs> – she's like circling in like a hovercraft. So, you know, but I mean I guess that's also what I wanted to say. Like, you know, in any form things happen to people and like you can still be your – like – you can have the worst thing happen to you and still be yourself. Fundamentally, you can still laugh. I still had a great year last year. Like, I think if you are, you know, and that's what I also want. And it's interesting timing because I feel like the world is now kind of collectively grieving, grieving their normal lives, grieving their friends. Mm-hmm. Some people have lost people, you know, grieving they're going to work, just any normalcy. normalcy yeah. and, and so I wanted to like, there's actually kind of like a recipe of like, 
you know, it may not be your best month ever, but you don't need to make it your worst. And like, here's what I did while also letting myself process the feelings. But here's like the physical actual, here is the toolbox that I did to put Humpty Dumpty back together. And it, and it, this is what worked for me. Yeah. I thought that was very, very generous and helpful. Um, of you to share that stuff for anyone who is newly grieving, just a little well, bit of a guide for how to do it. Well, it's like one of those things where, and again, like when you read the book, like, you know, there's so many, I grew up in like just this funny New England household that's just this silly, they, they didn't really talk about feelings. So never in my life would I think part of part of my journey is I realized like, having lost two people back to back, it's like, oh, I sort of feel like, Somebody needs to help normalize this a little bit. Like, I think people are so afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And people are afraid when it happens to somebody near them. Like, that, um, that you know, just to know. I mean, it was so eye-opening that my worst fear could happen. And I could, st- I could still be okay. Like, that was like, and you can be okay. You can be okay. That's shocking. And your worst fear being losing your mom or losing your mom in the way you lost her? That, the how I, losing her and losing her, it was exactly my worst fear of how I lost her. All of it. So, and again, now that this year is happening, I actually think I was spared because she never washed her hands. She was a social butterfly. Like, I think it's better, you know, I actually, I don't think she was afraid. I don't think she even knew it was happening. I think she just was making breakfast. Like, was just, I think it was literally like lights out. Right. So to me, it's like, oh, you know, who would have predicted 2020 and who would have predicted? So it, it's, again, you never know the big, like the big plan. Who would have ever thought I would actually be grateful that that happened mm-hmm. last year? Like mm-hmm. I act like the thought of worrying about her alone in a field in Rhode Island in, now like I, I, that I would actually rather have had this happen like this than be worried about her alone in a field. Mm. Let's talk about your dad a bit. Dude. Um very interesting quirky character. Yeah. Um and yet so I had had you on you, this is your third time on my show and I Yeah, the, girl. <laughs> the first time we didn't really talk about the book at all, but you had talked about how he was just like not really into being a dad. Um, like it was definitely not a positive portrait of him that you, you painted, um, when you came on the show, not that it was super negative or anything, but I just got the sense that you, well, you said actually something that you discovered was that like all women in comedy have dad issues. Did you have a tricky dad? Yes. Tricky parents. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And again, that's what I wanted the book. Like, like I really think most funny women I know have some kind of a quirk often with usually their dad, but sometimes yeah. the mom. There's usually some quirk. Once in a while, there's very well. Lauren Lapkus has lovely parents. Like she has a lovely dad. and a lo- So it's, a, it's don't worry if you have nice parents and you want to do comedy. It's possible. But I will say uh, most, most women I know that are in comedy. So I should say just for the listeners, my, my parents met at work. They were coworkers. And they 
were like literally I am the pro- they got married on a dare. They were trying to get vacation time and that is how I came in. So it literally if you went on a honeymoon you got two extra weeks vacation. So my dad proposed like they were all out drinking and my dad they were trying to like screw the man and he was like Janet and my dad's name is Willie my mom's name is Janet. He was like Janet Let's get married. I'll take us down to South America for a month. We'll come back and we'll get it annulled. And then my mom like upped the ante the next day and was like, okay, I'll do it, but I don't want to get it annulled. And so, and she was like Doris Day and like super fun. And and so it was an interesting thing. Like I couldn't figure out like this combo. And then I didn't learn about how they got married until I was older. Like, Mm. I mean, not old, but like in high school. But it added up. It was like, how do you have this most wonderful, magical woman? And no. So part of the thing with Adair, he was very open from the time my brother and I were kids. He would be like, I told, you know, she wanted four kids. He wanted zero. So they settled on two. And then he would just be like, I told your mother if she wanted to have kids, she had to deal with you. And it was just like we were so the the good news is he wasn't or in, he wasn't dealing with us much like we were really the three. We were her kids, mm-hmm. but he was still around. What what flavor tricky was your parents or um, are your parents? Uh, they, well, they listen sometimes, especially now that I'm on YouTube. So I have to be careful. Oh, boy, um, but it's okay. It's okay. It uh, definitely was freeing writing the book. I was, but I was also had to be like. I also didn't want to smear anybody's name that can't defend them. You know, I, it was yeah. like a threat. I was like, let me check my motives of like, what am I saying? Right. Okay. So hi, 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 Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> Rosen. Uh, I hope you're not listening to this one. <laughs> well, I can say, because I think that my dad would, would, uh, acknowledge this rageful. So my dad oh, was rageful. Hard. That's scary. Um, definitely mellowed out, you know, in, yeah. in now, now he's not that way at all. But so a lot of just, um, That's hard. You know, I, like still when people yell around me, I, I feel it in my body. Um, so you, did, were you like hyper vigilant? Did you have yes. to like take the temperature? Yeah. My I'm dad. Still like wh- that. Me too. I know. I mean, so you had to take the temperature of the room and just see what you were dealing with. Yes. And that's hard. Um, you know, a lot of triangulation. And I still, yeah. it's, it's a fight for me to hear stuff and just go, I'm just going to listen. This is, you're just telling me your stuff. Like I want to get in and I want to fix it and all that. Right. It's hard. I mean, it's an interesting, you know, I remember my friend saying to me like, anybody's parents, like your parents push your buttons because they installed your buttons. Like, yeah, they're going to get, like, even if you're, even if you have all the like tools in the world, like you still, you know, I defy you to go for like a 10 day trip to your childhood bedroom and not completely regress totally it's hard it's hard it's it's an interesting thing when you get out into the world and you're like oh not everybody's like that you know it's definitely looking around where did you grow up orange county california i was born in northern california grew up in orange county and that's where they still are yeah i have a younger sibling i have a younger sister and then i have two older brothers from my dad's first marriage were you who are like 11 with- years older. Um, oh, so much- yeah, so my brothers lived with us till I was three, and then they moved and lived with their mom. And that was okay. tough on me because they had been there all the time, and then they were gone. Right. Um, and then um, I am tight with my sister, who's four years younger. That's good. Yeah. I think it's good to have somebody around. Yes, for sure. Is, and, I mean, go ahead. What's your mom like? She is um, – how would I describe her? 
time. Listening. <laughs> she is listening. Listening. And yes. uh, here's what I'll say. All I ever want in this world is to be understood, to be able yeah. to like say how I feel and to have someone understand. Like, yeah. In fact, there was a whole thing where my husband was talking to my dad and he's like, what I've learned about her is all she wants is to feel understood. And my parents just are unable to hear anything that makes them feel guilty or bad and to ever say like, oh, I I get that. I'm sorry. Instead, you, it's, you're a bad, you're bad for making them feel bad. It's you, you're bad. Um, and I feel like my mom has actually come, has, has, has progressed to the point where now she can like say, like deliver a zinger that came out of nowhere that like totally fucks me up. And then I'll get a text from her saying like I'm so sorry I don't know why I said that and then I'm like it's totally okay now I feel like all put back together right so I feel like we've actually made some headway that's good Mm -hmm. that's really good good job mom that's really good that's (laughs) good if you're listening good job good job mom so to go back to your dad though so um, I had this sense of your dad as like not father of the year but then I read the book still not father of the year but I felt like it was actually a pretty compassionate um telling of him do you agree yeah I really I I I had a friend I had a friend who is like a fancy playwright who's like a Pulitzer Prize not my friend Tom and I I would just kept checking on him and I was like I it was I could have really thrown him under the bus if I wanted to and yeah and I just kept you know at first I was like, am I sparing him too much? Like, but I thought, and he kept just saying, Arden, check your motives. What story are you telling? And like, how do you want to tell it? And it was also like, you know, it was like, okay, this is my story, not his story. Um, People get the gist. You know, they don't need to hear the war stories. This is not Angela's ashes. Like, people get the gist of like, he's pretty rough and rude and and just sort of where do you want to put your focus like mm-hmm. how much because I I know just my the way my body feels like when I recount like when I get into the nitty-gritty nasty details I feel negative I feel bad and like the reality is who I turned out to be and what my life is and not in a Pollyanna way like you know I will meet anybody one-on-one and have a not. If you ask me, I will tell you, you know, but it was sort of giving real estate to stuff that was his problem. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about me. Like, I just flew into that house. I I could have been whatever young lady flew into that house would have had the same shit put at her. And so I feel like the more I gave him real estate with his behavior – I felt like it, the more it became sort of putting it on me that that's who I – like. and so I really just kept saying like I want to make sure that I'm honest that it was gnarly and it was tricky. But there was also so much magic through – it's interesting how like 
you know, my mom did all the heavy lifting and we had so much fun and there was so much beauty and so much magic. And like this person who didn't really try can so easily get all of the attention. Mm -hmm. And it's like he sort of didn't deserve that. You know, it's like, how about the person who's really trying to parent? How about she gets the award? And like, how about she gets the book? You know, and so I think that's why it makes to me. You know, I'm honest about it, but like, look at this person over here who's doing so much, and like, let's let's acknowledge that too. Can we just talk about one one dad story though? Anything, anything. Um, when you're, I don't know if it was your first TV appearance. Um, it was my first sitcom. Okay, he said to because this part stuck with me. Um, oh, this is a this was brutal. This is yeah. brutal. He. Well, you, you, you tell it. So, okay. So I grew up in this tiny town. It had a general store. We have no stoplights. A, a rumor has it for a lot of my childhood, we had an illiterate chief of police. I don't know <laughs> if that's true or not, but that was the rumor. We have no, we, I mean, it's literally couldn't be smaller. It's so cute. And like, I just had dreams of like being on TV and I actually executed. I mean, I had no connections. And when I was 22 years old, I was cast as a regular on the NBC sitcom Working with Fred Savage that ran for two years. And it was my first big job. And it moved me out to Los Angeles. And so it was like a huge – it was at the height of must-see TV. I mean it was a huge deal, like picked up as a regular. It wasn't just like standing as an extra in the background. Like I was a cast member. And so in my mind, when you – like growing up, You know, I thought everyone on TV lived in, like, lifestyles of the rich and famous. I thought everybody on TV had, like, a mansion. You know, I was in this tiny little apartment. I just thought – I thought everything would be okay if I could just get onto television. And so – and that everything inside me would be – I would feel good. And so – and, like, by the way, it's okay to be excited and proud. I was so proud. And the night that it aired, nobody called me. No one called me. It was the strangest thing. And so I called home the next day and looking for my mom and my dad answered. And um, and I was like, hey, hey, Willie. He was like, hey. And I was like, I was like, uh, did you see the show last night? And he goes, yeah, I saw it. And I said, well, what did you think? And he goes, I thought it stunk and you stunk with it. Oh, I mean, what a piece devastating. of shit. What a piece of shit. <laughs> I think he was really competitive with me. I Is think he was, was so jealous. Yeah. I think he just, I think he was so um, competitive and like threatened and wanting to crush it. Like it was, he just. I mean, no it was, wonder he, it's hard for you, was hard for you to write the career chapters, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, who do you think you are? Yeah. Who do you think? You know, it was really. He was my accountant at the time. I had to fire him. It was terrible. Uh, but, um, you know, that yeah, it was definitely – you know, you should know for the listeners, <laughs> 80% of the book is like a fun beach read. It really is. You talk about <laughs> – 80, 80% yeah. of the book is a fun beach read. It's not all just abusive dad and death. <laughs> no, that's the thing that's kind of like – it's almost like surreptitious the way the abusive dad or the – I mean, I didn't even use that term, although that that is what that is. But – that's what I was saying about like it's this whimsical, delightful story, and yet there it there is this emotional 
level that it operates on that you're almost not even totally aware of, you know, until afterwards. And I'm just like, oh, like I know I can always tell where people are in the book because I'll be getting texts. It's like, oh, you know, I mean. I think it, you know, it's, and it is, it's this fun book. And I just, I wanted people to feel less alone. Like I Mm -hmm. wanted, I wanted it to be hopeful. I wanted people to feel like you can shine and soar and thrive. Like that's why I kind of outed my dad was like, I wanted people to feel like you can laugh and be, and be free and go like live your dreams. Even if you have somebody who's, rude to you like Mm -hmm. you can protect yourself and you can be okay and you can make it I mean that is what I wanted that is why I put it in there was like not everybody is dealt the perfect hand most people aren't most aren't most people most people not everyone is Lauren Lapkus I know most people (laughs) I mean God bless her I mean I truly was like oh my god you're the unicorn you're the only one with like the nice parents but like you know that you can I wanted it to be hopeful and like I wanted it to be a fun read and I wanted people to know it wasn't perfect and that's okay like that's okay speaking of segue if you think you may be depressed or you're feeling anxious stressed or overwhelmed better help offers licensed professional counselors who are trained to listen and help talk with your counselor in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable better help counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas such as anxiety grief difficulty sleeping lgbt matters tricky parents self-esteem anger i'm gonna call them (laughs) (laughs) better help can give you access to help that may not be available in your area you simply fill out a questionnaire to assess specific needs and get matched with your counselor in under 48 hours um if and here's the part that i uh, one of the things i think is really great about this if for any reason you're unhappy with your counselor you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge i think that's the right one because i think the right one it's and i think people starting up in like a virtual way might feel like well what if i don't you know click with this person you are not committed at all join a million plus people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp counselor BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code best friend get started today at betterhelp.com slash best friend that's BetterHelp. better h-e-l-p.com slash best friend talk to a therapist online and get help okay and we are back um one of the things that I thought was super fun about the book was just all the references to uh, the miscellany of the 80s that I yes, feel honey. that I, it brought so much back for me. And I, like not enough, I don't encounter enough people talking about the movie Angel. I don't encounter yes. enough people talking about Bermuda bags. Yes. So it, I, Bermuda bags yeah. take up, Speaking of real estate, I feel like they occupy larger than more real estate in my brain than they should. I didn't know the name of them. So I've yeah. gone around for all these years being like, do you remember those purses with the wooden handles that yeah. have the and not enough people know what I'm talking about. But now I know the name. It's a Bermuda bag. And for I got to say for like uh, Gen Zers out there, let me tell you what. I feel like we should bring this back. They were so it was like this wooden this like wooden handle yeah. and it had sort of like a Buttons. like a white like a white 
sheet material, like a muslin, like a white yeah. muslin purse thing that had like buttons around the top. And then you would buy different covers for it that you would put over the muslin and like so you like could leave all your on. stuff in it. You and could just leave put all on, your shit match in it to it. your outfit, and then you match it to your outfit, and you could make your own covers. And they would button on, and it was not quite a clutch, but it wasn't an over the shoulder. It's like a wooden. It to me is so retro, kind of like you could wear it with like a clog. You know, like there's something. It was there. I can't believe people haven't brought them back because I, I feel like. I feel like if you started like a hipster oh, for muted bag line yes. on Etsy, like some, if you got, you know, we you got some, uh, so like Zoe Deutsch or somebody out there, like some cool kid rocking it. it they're so, get the, the equivalent of like the strawberry dress with the Bermuda bag. You can't go wrong with that. Do you? This was on your book, but I associate it with the Bermuda bag because I had a babysitter who was a tri-delt who had yeah. both. Do you remember the twisty beads? No. Oh, they were long, like a long string of ti- of small beads and you'd buy a bunch of them in different colors and then you'd twist them and you'd buy a clasp and like put it around your neck and it was like wearing like a huge cord around your neck. You know what? I know the seed beads that you're talking about, and I feel like we would buy the long, thin things, Mm -hmm. and I feel like we would make, like, friendship bracelets and sort of so good. Or also, like, beaded Native American fringe earrings. Mm -hmm. Also terrific. going, Going to the bead store was, like, a big part. The bead store. I had little like I had like a bead kit oh, company. You did? We I sold like bead kits where you, I would get like plastic like fishing tackle boxes and fill them with beads. It was a, a real. I was a young entrepreneur, a young boss bitch in Rhode Island. I love the idea of a box with small compartments with stuff yes. in it. It just it delights me. Thank um, you. Okay, there is a scene in your book where you are dating the man who became your husband. Surprise twist, became your husband. Yes, honey. And he starts talking to another woman. Yeah. You become convinced that she is trying to steal your man. She was. She was. Okay. You go a little, a little, you have an overreaction, I would say, or maybe you feel it's an appropriate reaction. But anyway, um... I think that some some guys like how is it that you were able to have that reaction? Tell him you're gonna you're gonna kill him, right? I I, I did a few him. things. So basically, let me just just for the listeners, I'd had every guy I ever dated stolen from me. Every guy I ever dated would eventually sleep with one of my friends. So that's when I was like, mm, I might need to date better guys. Mm, maybe I need better friends. Okay, so I worked on that. I got better friends. Da 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 da. I met this nice guy. I'd never dated a nice guy. I didn't. He was cute. I was very suspicious of him, but he, but I liked him. And then so we went to this party, and he was really tall, and he was talking to this. This other really tall, elegant lady, and I, it was uh, it was not at the smokehouse, but it was at like this equivalent in like Bur- Burbank. And I was, she was wearing like Chanel, and I was wearing a t shirt that said Arden. I like to party, and I had like Chrissy pigtails, <laughs> and like they were literally talked all night, like all night. And I'm so, like, he was really. Cute. I know what was. I'm not a fucking it. You know, you as a woman, you have to agree. You know, you know when somebody's hitting on your man. Like you're not. Yeah, it's a chemical react, like an animal instinct so 
over the years, I'd watched it happen so many times and I would just slink away and never stand up for myself. So this was, I was like, I was, no, like this guy is worth the fight. So I sort of, I paced up to him and at first I was like, I will fucking kill you. And he was like, what? <laughs> and then I, like, it went away and I was like, my friend Aaron, Aaron Hayes, who is on Children's Hospital, oh, yeah. she ran me like a quarter horse outside and I had a couple of sea breezes running around. And then I was like, I'm going to go back in. And they were like, again, so much taller than me. And I'm like tiptoeing up and down. And I literally looked her in the eye, glared her in the eye, rubbed my ass (laughs) up and down his thigh and said to her face, I'm spraying my turf. I'm using my inky spray and I'm spraying my turf. (laughs) And... How did he not? I mean, most most people, he should have left. He should have. I mean, that to me is grounds for that. I was a real red flag at that moment in time. I wouldn't say it was my best moment. I wouldn't, you know, nobody wants to read about your best stuff. They want to hear your mm. most horrible. And somehow he just found it hilarious. He was just, I think if I did that every weekend, that would be a different situation. But I think right. he just thought I was an idiot just like you're such an idiot like i was such an idiot that he found it funny and was just like oh you're an idiot okay like which you know i guess it's the right guy for me most he should have he should have left (laughs) i thought it was it was the way you tell it is hilarious i was laughing out loud dude i just had i couldn't i'd I'd had one too many people taken from me and la is hard to date in so to find like a Mm -hmm. nice guy and like watch again have again it's like i'm so sick of people just stealing a guy in front of me i can't i was like my cry of the kalahari like no (laughs) no this little blonde ball coming to spray my turf (laughs) um all right, we have some questions from listeners, but first I wanted to ask, so Debbie Ryan wrote the foreword, and I actually underlined something in here because I wanted to ask you. It's kind of just uh, for my own edification, yes. I want to know. Okay, so Debbie says, she's talking about you, and she says, she's held my hand and taught me to listen for the difference between my little monster voices and the ones that actually want to help me. Yeah. Um, this is something I'm trying to work on, yeah. trying to just like connect with my, because that was part, for me, a result, and I suspect maybe for you too a little bit, a result of um, my childhood was I really have trouble trusting my intuition. Yeah. And sometimes I can't even hear it. Yes. And so I, I don't do it anymore, but I used to spend I, any decision I was making, I would have to like ask the advice right. of so many, like oh. how exhausting I must have been right. to have to like, yeah, you know, and so I'm trying to connect with, but anyway. How does one determine the difference between the monster voices and like the true voices? I mean, I'll be really honest with you. I was just having this conversation about I really feel like one of the gifts and again, a lot. That's why I put a lot of stuff in the book of like this is what I did, you know. I really feel like a lot of the gift of adulthood and what I've worked on is and I think I really believe this for most people. I really believe deep down inside that we have good instincts, but that we're afraid to listen to them. And mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to circle back, like, and then I'll come back around to your, like. Okay. So one of the gifts, one of the gifts of, not to be a downer, but one of the gifts of grief, and again, one of the reasons I wrote that chapter so fast is you kind of don't have much skin. So it's very clear. Your body has a reaction, like. And it goes away. I wish I, I wish that part – like it's one of the weird superpowers in the good way of grief is like 
you have a visceral reaction. You know who you want to be with, who you don't want to be with. What sounds fun? What doesn't sound fun? What movies you want to watch? What you do? Like you just have you're you can't. I'm such a people pleaser. You literally cannot people please. You cannot mm-hmm. fake it. And I feel like one of I particularly as women, I think we're so brought up to kind of make sure everyone else is okay that to me I think oftentimes it was just fear of like if I get really really still and if I wasn't worried about hurting somebody's feelings I really feel like your body deep down inside knows Mm -hmm. what the right thing is who the right thing is what feels healthy and good what doesn't but we don't give ourselves permission to make it be okay to listen to those voices and so I mean, I, one thing I do, like, a, like I'll go on walks, like, like going out, something about moving around, because my head is really active, and I do. You, I mean, the way I wrote the chapter about, like, who cares? Nobody cares. It's like, okay, that sounds like maybe somebody else's voice, you know? Like, <laughs> usually if it's really negative or really fearful of, like, what are people going to think? I don't know. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like going for a hike or going for a walk and getting really quiet, taking a bath, like... Just sort of sometimes even just like writing stuff out in the morning and just like like just sort of like asking whatever you want to call it, the world – like just like just for an intuition. Oftentimes it's not necessarily what you want to hear. Like it's just like I don't want to deal with that. I want – you know, like because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. We we want to do the right thing. It's like it's very fear-based and I, and I, I, I guess it's really just learning just to – Listen to what makes your tail wag. Listen to what makes you happy. Like pay attention to who feels good, what feels exciting. And, you know, and look, we all have our little vices and monsters inside of us you know, that tell us like, no, go have that cake at two in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, but it's <laughs> like, okay, wait, is this the boogeyman inside of me? Or is this like, you know, right. that's how, I, that's how I, I don't know. What, how, what, when, what kind of stuff do you struggle with? So if I have conflict with someone, um, I, like you, have a lot of trouble dealing with it in the moment unless it's so – I realized – because I always thought I was someone who had trouble dealing with stuff in the moment. However, I realized a pattern of like if it's so egregious, like if I feel like someone is just really, really out of line, yeah, then I am able to like defend myself in the moment. It's when – I'm not sure when there's a little bit of passive aggressiveness, maybe, or when I feel like maybe like I never want to be inappropriate. I never want to be out of line. I never want to be aggressive or wrong or bad or, you know, all this stuff swirling around that paralyzes me. So, so then I have to kind of go take it and like be alone with it and, and try to listen to like, what is my gut telling me about this situation? Um, so that's hard for me. I'll tell you what, um, like I really yeah, have allowed, like, I will say one of the, I don't ever have the words in the moment. And so, and I will say one of the gifts of that is I find that people generally, and I have a very high voice. So then you, I feel like people can't hear me when I'm heated, like, mm-hmm. you know, so one of the gifts of having delayed reactions, like I just, fight or flight, I am full flight. I just leave my body. Yeah. I'm always so shocked that something's happening that I'm like, whoa. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the gifts is I usually can then reason it out with somebody else, get really clear, see if it's something that's like an old thing in me that's getting pushed, like that sort of, it's, right. if it's hysterical, it's historical, like, 
Like, is this something, if this, is this really happening in 2020 or is this something from like 1987? You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> but like, okay, let's say it is real and it is happening. Then I can get very clear. And then I've just allowed that it's never too late to go. And if I have to make an apology, I can just say, hey, like, you know, I just, I've, I've had some, I've had some feelings and I felt like I did something and I just want to do, like, I did this recently with the book coming out. Um, you know, I, I mentioned a name that I thought was funny, but then I realized that I didn't ask permission to use the name. And so I sent them like a card and a, and they were so happy to – and, I'm, you know, they were happy to get the book and so happy I'd sent the card and – which was nice because otherwise I would have just avoided them for life and felt ashamed, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but like – but then when people – like if somebody steps on your toes or whatever, you know – I try to give – like my dad would just say the most disgusting stuff and I would – even him, I would try to give somebody one benefit of the doubt and be like, hey, maybe you didn't realize it. What? But when that happened, like I know I didn't say something in the moment but I'm just letting you know because I would hope that if I did something, you would let me know. Mm-hmm. And just allowing that I don't have to do it in the moment. I don't have to clean stuff up in the moment and that usually if I'm doing it, I'm not as emotional. Like by the time I'm going and doing something – I don't – I'm not like at an 11 and then people right. – most people are like, oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. You know, and then like – but it's hard. Conflict is the worst. I hate conflict. I hate conflict. When it's messy. Oh, When it's messy. It's like awful. if someone's just an out and out asshole, it's so much cleaner. Oh my god. Conflict is so – it is weird when it's like complicated or if it's like a business yeah. thing or if you have like a work yes. thing. I hate the uncomfortable – because some people are really good at fighting. Some people love a disagreement and – I'm no, just – I don't stand a chance with that. When people are like, what do you mean by that? It's like nothing, nothing. Forget right. I brought it up. Nothing. I don't mean anything. Nothing. I think I'm always afraid that the other person is going to be like, you know what? You're too much trouble. I'm done. Right. Like – and that that is a very historical yeah. and uh, unrealistic expectation right. in like the situations that I then take that fear into. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, being a person on earth interacting with people is complicated, you know? That's, it really is. And everybody, <laughs> and I have to just keep remember, like, everybody, and particularly this year, everybody has something, you know? So it's like, I try to give people a pandemic pass of like, okay, everyone's doing the best that they can. Everyone's a little extra, extra. Everyone's not feeling great. So, <laughs> right. You know, and I would say that my my social circles have – it's not that I don't love people, but I feel like I'm chatting regularly to less and less. Like I've just got a few people that I talk to a lot and that's who I talk to. Yes. Yeah. I feel like at the beginning there was all this like we're having a Zoom happy hour. Yeah, no, and, no, no. Um, and I don't even think people are doing that anymore. Oh, God, no, no. It, well, it feels like in L.A. people are like hanging out and I, I, I'm yeah. so afraid of COVID that – I always feel so lame when I get invited to stuff, but I'm like, I'm not. There, no way am I coming here. I'll see now, you. Now, are you being yeah. invited to things where they're going to be socially distanced, or is it like just come to our house and have dinner? I haven't been invited to a inside. house for dinner, no, but I have been invited to things inside that I'm like, I'm not doing that. I've yeah. gone to. I, basically, the person I, the person I see the most is Lauren Lopkiss, and it's always very. Sometimes we have dinner on my lawn, very, very, very far away, and <laughs> then we immediately put masks back on, and she brings her own food and has her own utensils and container. Like 
and because we're both and I know that she's equally as much as like the cautious kitty that I am. So it's right. like two sort of super freaks hanging out like in bubbles on opposite sides of a lawn. And that's who I see. Have you been working? I did the I've said no to a few things. Um mm. I was offered a movie in England. I feel like in the United States with SAG, there's more codes than what was happening. Mm -hmm. They were only testing once a week. And there was a lot of scenes that were like crowds, like me in a car with 10 people sitting on a lap. (laughs) And there was like scenes in a booth in a crowded bar. And I thought once a week, like I know there's less cases there, but – I don't want to get COVID. Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I wanted to do it, but I said no. I did five episodes of the Meredith Vieira game show, 25 Words or Less. They did it all in one day. Everybody got tested on site. Um, You got ready at home. There was no hair or makeup. You, there was no mic packs. Everyone was in their like own booth and then they were mic'd from above and then she had her own game show set built in her basement in New oh, York wow. and then they zoomed in. So that felt – there was no like catering. They had boxes of takeout. So that actually felt like, oh, OK. I could do that. Like that was mm-hmm. – so I'm picking and choosing and it's just yeah. mostly – so here's my question. So it's mostly been like launching the book, which I never thought would be launched during a pandemic. So it's been an interesting – you know, nobody – what was it like for you, like, giving birth to your book? Like, <laughs> getting the word out, being worried – like, yeah. were you worried about hurting people's feelings? What was it – like, all of it, like, the marketing and the material. What was your experience launching your book? Well, more in-person podcasts and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then hurting people's feelings with the stuff in the book. You yeah. mean so mine yeah. so my book is a collection of columns. I had a syndicated column yep. for a period of time and it's a collection of those columns. So it was material that had already been published. So if it I mean was it's gonna it's, hurt it's it was, in a different form. It would have already you would have already like yes. had to deal with it. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't fresh new stuff. Um but please buy it anyway. Hell yeah, you should buy it. <laughs> I mean, it's so fresh and new that it's timeless, really. Absolutely. Allison, if you love Allison, you're going to love her book. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. But don't, but first buy Arden's book, yes. Little Miss Little Compton. It's real. And um, if you go to ArdenMarineBook.com, you can get a signed copy and a canvas Little Miss Little Compton tote bag that's actually really cute that I designed. You can get it for I, the first. It's cute, right? I love the I love the tote. I love it. It's I a, love the whole package you put together. I went yeah. for like the bougie tote too. It's not a it's not a thin cotton tote. It's like a thick canvas tote that you could use as like a beach bag. So that comes mm-hmm. free with the price of the book for the first. It's only the first two hundred and fifty people, so, and it's a signed copy. So get them before they're sold out. I did a reading at is it called the Last Bookstore? Yeah, downtown. Um, and yeah, that was really fun. That was. It was neat to contrast the experience of a live podcast versus a live reading. Like the questions that people asked were so uh, um, astute and like that I really felt like, oh my God, these people like are totally picking up what I'm laying down. You're doing a virtual reading, right? I'm doing, yes. So Lauren and I, we're going to do, again, I can't, normally I would have been like on a book tour and doing readings and doing stand-up shows and like, so I... Can't do that. So, but I, but I'm a festive gal, and I wanted to do something. So, 
we're doing a virtual book release party slash like reading and it's like a variety show and I'm going to read from the book but it's also like a full show and it's going to be me and Lauren Lapkus if you don't know who that is and we keep referring to her but she was the in the wrong Missy that Netflix movie she was Missy she's also in Orange is the New Black so it's at Dynasty Typewriter it's uh, Saturday Saturday, September 26th at 5 p.m. Pacific. But if you buy your tickets in advance, the link is live for a week. So if you can't watch it then, um, oh, it's just $5. And then we're also having Brian Safi, who's the host of Throwing Shade. He's going to be on. Him. And then Rob Benedict from Supernatural is going to be on. And he's going to be playing a song. My brother's going to be there. So it's going to be like a full variety show and reading. It's a book release party. It should be really fun. $5. And if you get your book through the dynastytypewriter.com website, you can actually get a custom signed book. So if you wanted to give it as a gift, it was like, dear Allison, blah, blah, blah. Like there's a place for you to say, keep it PG-13, but tell me who you want me to write it out to. And you can get an actual custom signed book so to you. So are you going to actually be at Dynasty Typewriter? No, we are. I actually, so I've been watching some of their virtual shows to get ready. They are doing it so, they it feels like a show. Like they really have figured out how to adapt. And so we are not going to be at Dynasty, but it will not feel like a Zoom call. Like you will feel like you're watching a Zoom call and you can interact with us. You can email us and come on guys, it's five bucks and it's live for a week. So come to the party because I can't come to I you. Love it. I can't I love come it. to you. All right, let's take some questions that we got on Patreon. Again, I'm on Patreon. Here's my Patreon plug. Uh, lots of yes. fun stuff, behind the scenes content. Oh, yeah. Um, this video is on YouTube, but the videos of the Thursday shows are on Patreon. I'll be and, there. And now I'll be there on be this there. next coming Thursday. That's right. And I'm now doing three to four bonus episodes a week. I just can't bring myself to commit to weekly. Are you serious? You're doing three to four a week? Three to four. That's, That's a right. lot. That's right. It really is. But That's the like Patreon. That's the Patreon you want to join. That is a lot. That's right. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. I'm looking for the song that I play before we do questions. There it is. Here we go. You're doing great. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. All right. Lindsay Bunnell or Bunnell wants to know, I love Arden so much. She's such an amazing actress and I love her podcast about The Bachelor. I've noticed on the podcast, she talks about past relationships, but very rarely discusses her current love life partner. Does she worry about discussing it or is it just a matter of privacy? Will we learn about it in her book at all? Yes, you will learn about it in my book. Not too much. I am with a shy guy who, yeah, so I feel like I have had the I really like shy people a lot of my best friends are shy and so I I intentionally I think also part of it was you know I mean I think part of it was having so many boyfriends taken from me that and I used to just like hand them away to people I think when I first started dating Dan I I just kept it quiet it was like because I think I used to talk about like so-and-so is so great and then everybody would be like oh really you know and then <laughs> so I just I think it was a combo of my own past coupled with just not wanting to make somebody a joke or a story mm-hmm. of like you know this is a person I'm a very silly gal 
who's all over the place and like this is a person who's never once like wait you're going to Atlanta again like you're going you where are you going to do stand up like it's a person who's always like go have fun and so i sort of give the privacy like give the respect of somebody who lets me run free i leave them alone that's really nice uh when i first met so i have a daniel who's a dan hey um, a dan the man yeah, when I first met him, he I remember he was like, just so you know, like I don't think I'd ever want to be interviewed, like I'm just not I'm just yeah. not into all that. Yes. And now he's a regular on my podcast. Oh my god, that's hilarious. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's an interesting. I mean, some people talk about it all the time. It's just um you know, it's just like when somebody's kind of shy, like disrespecting, like they actually yeah. are for real shy, and rather than being right. like, "Come on, you know you," it's like, no, they really don't. Like, don't they, yeah. they actually don't want that? Do you consider yourself an extrovert? I think I am a shy extrovert. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think they're socially, I, people make me nervous. So, I, I am. I think I'm a noisy, shy person. I appear extroverted, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's a part of me. Yes, I mean, obviously, like. In a group setting, I can – if I'm relaxed around you, absolutely. But it takes me a minute to feel safe with people. I get nervous around people. Mm-hmm. Um, Whitney C. says, what's the last technological difficulty she had? Parentheses asks the woman who was booted unceremoniously off her own Zoom mid-sentence today, leaving high schoolers unsupervised <laughs> until she got back. <laughs> oh, my God. I am the most – I okay – I have to tell you, I have I have the worst technological luck of anybody. Like to the point, Dan is convinced I was born with a like a metal plate in my head or like a magnet because <laughs> I will go, I will have issues. I cannot connect. I can't get cell service at my house, and I live in a flat area. Mm. There's no mountain. There's no reason. Everyone else can get calls here, um, and I will bring my phone into Apple. And the Genius Bar is like they're like we've literally never seen this problem before. Like I just. <laughs> I'm a very scissors and glue kind of a gal. So I would say my last technological problem would be there's so many. I mean, it's like a daily, it's a daily basis. You know, we just froze. I had to reboot. I like we, we were, we just mine froze. And uh, so like, it's always me. If there's a problem, it's always <laughs> on my end. It's never not on my end. Uh, and then lastly, here's a fun one. Angela D. They're all fun. This one just strikes me as fun plus. Angela D. says, where did she get her sense of style in clothing and home design? Would she ever think of hosting a makeover show, either of rooms or fashion? Yeah, we should tell everyone, you were just in the LA Times. Yes. Super cute. Small house was featured. Dude, you should go check it out. Go to and like I don't if it's behind the paywall now, you can just pay one dollar, join for eight weeks, and then yeah. and then cancel. It's just one dollar if you want to read the whole thing because there's like twenty eight cute pictures in there, um, which was such a dream. I would love to host a makeover show, love to, and um, thank you very much. You know, I think I always loved making things. I always loved playing dress up. I always liked a little razzle dazzle. My grandpa was an artist and um, my mom would always take me on like home tours. So like, you know, so design was always sort of around me. Like my mom would bring me when the fancy people would have these tours, we would go look at all the (laughs) fancy stuff. And that's where it came from. Um, 
Yeah, the the uh, the LA Times story about your house oh my was God. very exciting. It was, How did that come about? Well, we shot it in January. And oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I just figured when COVID, I just figured it was never going to run. And uh, it was so exciting. It just came out like two weeks ago. Um, so I bought my first house and I designed and contracted it myself. And... Um, and I just was really proud of it, and I had pictures. I mean, I love design, and my dream. I mean, I want to be on like the cover of Domino, like that's you know. <laughs> and so we were, we just submitted it places, and I was so, they they were interested, and it was like super exciting. The reporter was great, the photographer was super fun. Like it was just my dream to have like a house spread somewhere. This room that you're in right now, yeah. Which room is this? Okay, this is an old garage. So this is my. Oh. So I turned it into is this my your studio. This is my podcast studio. That's not wallpaper. That's underneath. There's soundproofing. Yeah. That's an upholstered wall. It's, That's so smart. So there's like batting underneath it, and then there's fabric on top. So it has soundproofing, but it's cute. That is such a good idea. Yeah, and it wasn't that expensive. And then I just painted the cement floor white. I got, you know, some those are all from IKEA. I got a bunch of chairs from like World Market and you know, but it but it made it kind of fun. Yeah, I love it. Thanks. Arden, it's been so nice having you on the oh, show. Allison. Everyone go out, get little miss, little Compton. Yes. Um come, and, come uh, to the book party at dynastytypewriter.com, September twenty sixth at five PM Pacific with me and Lauren Lapkus and Brian Safi and Rob Benedict. I will custom write a book to you or go to artamarinebook.com. Wonderful. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Um, I'm on Patreon again, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. I'm on Cameo, cameo.com slash Allison Rosen. How Please is Cameo? To- How is Cameo? It's, I do not do the brisk business of, say, like a Doug Benson right. or someone. Guys don't um, have to put makeup on either. Guys don't have, yeah. they can just stumble out of bed in a t-shirt and be like, happy birthday, Brian. And like, that's, you know. I've let it all hang out in a few of them okay like typically when i get a request i think okay when am i doing a show i'll have makeup on i'll just record it afterwards yeah however there have been somewhere it's like oh i don't have any i'm not i don't i don't know why this is the case this was but i remember being like well makeup's not happening or like there's a date that i want to get this in by if it's someone's birthday or whatever so i'm just gonna let them see me without makeup yes Um, honey oftentimes my kids are in the cameos uh which i don't know if that's great that i'm doing that but uh, (laughs) man they're so cute (laughs) they're so cute come on yeah are you a kid no i'm not they asked me to do it and i haven't done it yet i haven't done it can I tell you, they reached out to me and I was like, I, I don't think so. And then they they were like, people are asking for you. And I said, uh-huh, I uh-huh. don't know. And then they reached out again. They're like, we just got another request for you. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do it. I signed up. There were not like, they were, were they there lying? were no requests uh, zooming in. I feel right. like they made that up. Right. I'm not doing it. And then all of a sudden they, you know, they started trickling in and right. then they sped up a little bit. But this like, all these requests for me because once I showed up, there were no requests. Well, why doesn't everybody request you now? That's right. That's right. Do it. Cameo. People love my cameo. <laughs> um, and I can't uh, wait to. I can't wait to do your show with you. The big group one. That's going to be fun. That's right. Who, who's going to be on? Or is it a surprise? Well, 
I it's not locked in yet. Okay, then well, let it's it be a, a surprise. Bit up in the air. Let it be a That's surprise. Right. You, I, ha- I think I know. You but. might even see my Zoom shirt again. If you like this shirt today, you might like it again on Thursday. <laughs> Same with what I'm wearing. <laughs> um, and uh, what what am I miss? Oh yeah, please sub- make sure you're subscribed to the show. Leave a nice comment. Listen to Arden's podcast. It's really fun. Um, will you accept this rose? And listen to my other podcast, Childish. And uh, thank you. Oh oh. Uh, if you're on YouTube, leave a leave a comment below. We love that. And uh, thank you for listening, Arden. Thank you, guys Allison. For doing the show. Thank you for having me on. What a treat! Thanks for reading my book. I loved it, listeners. Thank you for listening. Bye. I love you. Bye, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time. 